Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Kandil Baloch was a young Pakistani girl who skyrocketed into the public domain through her use of social media. She's like the Kim Kardashian of Pakistan, a young, aspiring model flaunting herself on the internet and attracting a mass following. She was murdered by her brother. He said it was to protect his honour and that of his family. But this honour killing attracted public outrage, unlike thousands of other honour killings in that country. Why did Kandil's death cause outrage? What effect has it had on feminism and left-wing politics in Pakistan? To discuss these issues and more, I'm joined this week by feminist and socialist activist Ama Kossa. Ama is a journalist for the Express Tribune, which is an affiliate of the New York Times in Pakistan. Ama is also a member of the Awami Workers' Party in Lahore, the only leftist political party in Pakistan, and it came together in 2014 through a coalition of three different left groups. So there's this article that came out in The Guardian soon after her murder. It's called The Dishonorable Killing of Kandil Baloch. I really recommend that any listener, they should just read that article if they just don't are not familiar with her case. But that article beautifully summarizes her entire um, life and the death and her whole thing was just explained beautifully there. She comes, she was one of 12 siblings. She was from a small town in Punjab, actually my own hometown, so I could really relate with her because because of this oppressive society in that city. Uh, so one of 12 siblings born into abject poverty, not really educated, and she was, her first job was as a bus hostess. So you would, she would sit in a bus and travel with people and, you know, give them food. And, um, and then she was married off in her teens to a guy who she says she was not very happy with and she said that it was a she said that it was an, an abusive marriage so one child and you know one divorce later she moved to a new city and then she just adopted her name was Fazia Hamid like you mentioned but then she assumed this character which was Kandil Baloch and Kandil Baloch was a vivacious a sexy a confident girl you know who was not afraid of flaunting her sexuality and when she used to, her, her videos were instantly famous because we, if you just looked at her videos, she would just be lying in bed in sexy, sexy lingerie. And all she would be doing is pouting at the camera or saying, oh, how do I look? Or she would be saying, you know, these, these things which would appear scandalous because this was just this shameless, you know, display of sexuality. And because of that, she would, you know, and she was likened to the likes of Kim Kardashian. But she was not, it was, she doesn't have, she didn't have stylists, she didn't have a dedicated social media team. It was just a one man, a one woman army, which was Kandil Baloch. And her stage was her bedroom. And over there she would dance on the bed or she would like, she, she promised to strip for the entire country if we won a cricket match, you know. So she was like that. And she was fine. She, those things, people just didn't think she was harmful or she was just harmless and they would just laugh at her or they would be appalled by her. But nobody really thought that she was a problem. Um, then she started, but slowly, because she was started getting famous and because she was so controversial, she started developing a global profile. So now, you know, BBC was writing about her and there were articles in Indian press and she was just getting, she was just beginning to acquire a global profile for herself. And the more she, 
the more exposure she got, the more I she, she sort of I, I think she developed some really good ideas because they were in line with her, her herself. And she started talking about feminism and she started saying, oh, why do I always uh, you know, nobody gives me credit for talking about feminism. I am talking about, you know, women taking control of themselves, women taking control of their bodies, women not letting anyone tell people what to do with themselves. And this is a girl again. She has come from Multan, which is a very, very small town, a very, very conservative city. And she comes from, a, so, you know, the gender parity in Pakistan, it's, it's gender subordination in Pakistan, it sort of varies across classes and regions and, you know, in the rural and urban. And it's especially bad in the rural side of the country. So in rural areas, this, this, this is just worse because in urban areas, women have access to more education. And so this is a woman, she comes from a really, really bad part of the country and she just becomes famous. And now she's talking about feminism. And then what she does is, this is the part, this is the, these are a few days leading up to her murder. She met this cleric uh, and then she posted a video with that cleric and she was sitting with him taking selfies and wearing his hat and, you know, being sexy with him. And it just caused this controversy across the country because now she was exposing, you know, religious fundamentalists and exposing them in a way, she was just exposing the hypocrisy, you know, because they reject her. They say that, oh, she's shameless, but then they are also awed by her because, you know, she just doesn't give a shit. You know, she just, she is just free to do what she wants. So then, you know, everybody's, so right after that, she started saying that I think I have threats to my life. I am not safe in this country. And she was planning to go abroad. Again, now that she's famous, uh, she's also supporting her family. She has several brothers. One of them is a drug addict um, and he doesn't have a job and she's supporting him as well. So there's Eid. This is a religious, a religious festival. She goes home for holidays and she meets her family. And the next thing we know, one day we just hear that Kandil Baloch has been murdered. And I was shocked because you just wouldn't, she wasn't a terrorist. She was, she didn't have a political message. She was just a social media star. How could she be murdered? And then it turned out that her brother was the one who killed her. Her family, when you say her family, it, you just mean her brother because her parents were actually on her side. Her parents, they knew that she was the only support of her family. She was the only person bringing financial support to the to the family, her, her brother was not really doing anything. So he killed her saying that when I, I used to go outside, people used to say, oh, your, your sister is a slut and she's bringing dishonor to your family. And I was ashamed of her and I couldn't take it anymore because I was humiliated. She humiliated my family name. And so he gave her, he gave her sleeping pills. And when she went to sleep, he just strangled her. I don't think he expected or I don't think anyone expected a huge outrage that emerged because, again, I, like I said, she was harmless. She was not a terrorist. She was not a political person. She was not a she was she was not controversial in that way. She was not controversial in a political sense. She was just a sexy girl, sexy young girl. When Kandil was was murdered, did it raise more broadly in Pakistani society the issue of honour killings generally or was it still just focused on her? Oh no! Okay, so look, it, so I think that Kandil Baloch was the celebrity face to honor killings, if if you know what I mean, because honor killings are rampant here. And when when you say honor killings in Pakistan, it is a, the the Western equivalent of an honor killing would be you know a husband finding his wife cheating and then killing her. And so that is you know of course in the Western world as well, he might be like, oh my God, she she was my wife. How could she be cheating on me? That concept is sort of you know in in, in local context, it, the name given to this in Pakistan is honor. That a male a man's honor or a family honor, a woman is dishonoring that. And and honor is sort of gauged through women's bodies and what they do to their bodies. So 
so so honor killing was a prevalent issue it has been going on for a while but i i would just like to say that as you know there is more and more awareness you can see that in urban areas this is this dying down but it's prevalent in um, rural areas where there's less education there's people just don't know about their rights but in rural areas it's it, in urban areas it's better having said that um it caused an outrage i think it caused an outrage because when she started talking about feminism and when she started adopting you know feminist symbols for herself um feminist groups in pakistan they started identifying with her as well and when she died in the beginning nobody was willing to you know take her side because she was just too controversial but when she's dead that's when you know there's complete outrage and then they said oh she was talking about feminism she was talking about women taking control of their bodies and women taking control of their lives and and you know this they were basically she became a victim to patriarchy violent patriarchy so so when these feminist groups these autonomous feminist groups they adopted kandil baloch i think then this issue you know then it became even bigger because now everybody's writing about her uh, feminists you know these educated young women working in uh, urban cities uh, working abroad pakistani uh, pakistani women who are really really aware of you know the crisis women face at a domestic level um they just put that out out forward and everybody was we just learned from that so i think that when feminists attached themselves to kandil baloch in that way and i think that was really great that they did this issue became bigger but having said that um honor killings were still going on are still going on in pakistan this is a huge problem um and it's not been tackled and and i think kandil baloch was the celebrity face of that like it was just shocking that you know she wasn't attacked by a government agency or she wasn't attacked by a terrorist agency she wasn't attacked even by robbers she was killed by her own brother she was killed inside her own home in her own bed so that just makes you really scared that you know the danger is in your family and how do you tackle that so and this is what the feminists brought forward that you know the family institution in pakistan it's 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 really really stifling for women and we need to do something about it uh, so just to follow on from that just so that i understand the the legal framework in pakistan is right. this kind of murder in those circumstances is that legal or or is it clearly illegal right across the country no it's look murder is illegal period it's just illegal everywhere so now there's so if you so pakistani laws and traditions are sort of they work simultaneously so you have a legal system that says murder is illegal but then you have a traditional system traditional courts where if you have a dispute uh between two people like a woman and a man they ran away with each other and then they were caught and they were forced to so then a group of tribal elders would sit down and then they would decide you know what will happen to the girl or the boy and in some cases the couple is murdered so but that is again illegal honor killings is not i i don't think and i haven't read it anywhere that honor killings itself is an illegal is is an illegal thing killings are illegal period but the problem is the, so this is an interesting thing that i just want to a loophole in the legal system so if 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 my brother kills me and my family became so the murder doesn't become you know it's not it's not a crime against the state it becomes a crime against individuals so what happens is if i get murdered my family might move a complaint against the murderer and then that guy would be prosecuted but my family also the complainant also has the right to forgive forgive the murderer or forgive the suspect and then the case is quashed and then the police does not want to take the case and they don't have to because they say that the complainant withdrew the complaint so we don't have to prosecute kandil baloch's murder is the only murder in recent history which became a crime which was then investigated by the state 
and it you know it the, the the main complainant became the state so which is why this this case attracted a lot of attention because this was nobody was accepting that you know the family should not be allowed to forgive that son he killed her but otherwise on a date but this was someone who was famous and someone whose death caused an outrage in other cases people who were girls who were not famous girls who you know i'd probably go to my office and i'd probably get a story on honor killing even when i go home i hope I go to the office but i hope i don't but they might not be prosecuted because if their family decides that you know oh we want to forgive him and because you have to understand if the murder is coming from if your son murders your daughter how do you choose you do you prosecute your son what do you do and these are people who are absolutely unaware of legal procedures of you know right to life and right to dignity and all of these things there's no awareness on these issues so honor killings killings are illegal um and if the the state does not become party to it then it's a problem and this is exactly what leftist groups in pakistan they've sort of been arguing for normally we we fight, we say that the state needs to state needs to withdraw its interference in certain sectors but we say that the state really really needs to intervene in the family because the the family is a source of a lot of violence and it is a source of a lot of um like it is really causing a lot of gender subordination in society and on community radio stations right across Australia you're listening to Accent of Women. I'm speaking with Ema Kosa from the Awami Workers Party in Lahore about the issue of honor killings in light of the murder of Kandil Baloch. Well, I want to talk a little bit about her legacy because obviously Kandil became famous through social media um, and her her prominence in that space really did cause the issue of honour killings to become uh, a bit more of a national scale campaign to, right. to oppose. So right. looking at social media then... Um, and, and, you know, social media has transformed many conservative cultures, China, pa- right. your country, Pakistan, the Middle East. So right. I, I want to look at the ways that young people in Pakistan are using social media to challenge conservatism, the, the kind of um, uh, cultures that you're speaking about. But I guess before we do that, I mean, we've talked about the status of women in Pakistan. What about the status of young people? How are young people regarded in Pakistani society? Um, so young people in Pakistan are, I think they are just a really, really polarized group. There is one group which is, one part of youth you find which is extremely politicized, um, politicized in the right wing conservative fashion and then there is a there's a youth which is complete and that's the majority of your youth which is you know deep politicized you know they are really excited about alternatives they're really excited about new political prospects but there are none so you can see that you know and 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 interestingly they banned student unions and so we don't have student unions in pakistan there's no student politics actively going on on campuses which is really sort of hindered you know youth being politicized that way or youth uh, young people in pakistan you know coming towards politics and like i said family is the most important institution so everything that you do it's sort of coming from you know directly because of filial authority so women have to submit to that men have to submit to that men then men and women they all sort of reproduce the same thing um 
youth in again like i said youth in pakistan right now it ha is not very organized and because it's not organized i don't think that they are able to coherently put together a strong narrative uh, a strong counter narrative and it's just being able to explain that you know times are changing in pakistan things are you know we're going towards um, we want to go towards a more progressive society because i think that there's a lot of there's a misunderstanding about what progressive society really means a lot of things are are not clear to us like for example the word secular you know people misunderstand the word secular they just think that if it means to be secular you're just being you're being becoming an atheist you know or you're just rejecting islam that's not what secular means it just means being you know inclusive of all religions and being accepting accepting of all ethnicities and religions and culture so so i think because our youth is so depoliticized and because they are just generally unable to they use social media you have to understand this they use social media a lot um in fact one of the recent the biggest political party that came out of recent times was largely because of social media um it really attracted pakistan tehreek e insaf it's run by a cricketer uh, imran khan and it, it a lot of their support is on social media you can see young people you know really excited about a new alternative this is another right wing conservative alternative they are not they don't seem to be aware of that because it's really it's packaged in a very flashy way but otherwise it's the same old narrative and i think at some level people are aware of, of the problems in that narrative as well so yeah i i, I don't i i just i think the youth in pakistan it just really needs um a direction a political direction which they don't have at this time and this can only happen once you open uh, once you allow students to unionize when you allow students to organize when you allow to ask let students think about their issues right now you are not allowed to challenge the status quo which is you know this don't question your country don't question your army don't question your government don't question what the grown ups are doing just do what you are supposed to do which is become which is go through a particular grind which is go, which is to internalize a certain nationalist narrative and then once you come out you participate like a good citizen in the workforce and behave yourself so so there's no dissent they, they, at least they're trying to homogenize all of us and then i guess consistent with that our you know despite the disorganization the lack of coherence among young people and and university students particularly um is there still a use of social media to challenge pakistani conservatism of course of course um i was at a i was at a conference the other day and one of my comrades so this is a young man from islamabad and okay awami workers party the party that i'm affiliated with it is it came together in 2012 i think not even 14 and in four years a lot of young people have sort of come together with this you know what is socialism what is all of this and when they came together in islamabad in in the capital of the city that is where a group of really dedicated social media activists are working for us and they were working on i'm just giving you an example of how social media can become really important and has been important for us so they were working on this uh, they were working against eviction of certain residents um workers essentially they were worker colonies they were um informal settlements of worker colonies and the a government agency was trying to evict them and they had been they had challenged this issue in court and the court didn't give a favorable decision and families they went back and made an appeal and you know it was we would not have known about this eviction drive and we would and even if we had known about this eviction drive through mainstream portrayals of of you know what this eviction they they say that eviction people who are being evicted are actually just land grabbers they're criminals you know so it's okay to evict them but those kids or those people over there they gave them a proper exposure they just you know they took their pictures they took their videos they you know the whole the, the, the very violent process of evicting them that was 
all documented on social media. And then once it was documented on social media, it started going viral. It became national news. And, you know, so it, we realized how important it is. And having said, uh, right wing, you know, the right wing parties and right wing groups in Pakistan, they have really used social media to to their advantage so we are aware that you know we need to use social media it is a tool that is available to us we must use it so increasingly of course there are you know there are satirical cartoon pages um there are you know comedy groups and there are all kinds of social media things that people do um but it's again a very it's at a small level it needs to get bigger and i i'm, I'm hopeful that you know as time goes by it will get bigger and bigger but right now our voices are sort of progressive voices are small uh, their presence on social media is small but it's getting it's getting better is the government cracking down on um some of the 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 use of social media for um resistance and dissent and i guess trying to change society more broadly of course yes um recently uh, we we heard of this bill called the cyber crime law um, and before that bill was, when that bill was tabled in the National Assembly, you know, femi- feminist groups and digital right groups and all of these groups that started talking about, you know, oh, why this law is so problematic. And they are, so, so if you read that law, it says that, you know, if you make anti-Pakistan comments, now anti-Pakistan is a very ambiguous term. Anything can be anti-Pakistan. Anything can sound anti-state if you just want to interpret it that way. So what it says is, oh, if you post certain messages or if your social media is going to be really strictly monitored, if you post um, anti-state messages or if you are trying to, quote-unquote, you know, destabilize law and order or if you're trying to organize or create violence or if you're trying to disturb uh, public public order, you know, you will be arrested and prosecuted. So we're really scared about that because what it might mean for us is because in Pakistan, there is arbitrary enforcement of law, all laws, everywhere. So we're scared of what that means, what, might mean, what it might mean for us. And, which, and what it might mean is we might post something, they might take a look at it, which when I say they, I mean, you know, the surveillance groups, and then they would, they would just pick us up and we'd be gone. You know, um, we won't even know where we've been taken to. Going to jail in Pakistan is kind of really, really scary. So there's definitely a crackdown. And oh, another thing that I, this is a very interesting thing. Um, There are these pages on social media, and this is not necessarily, these are not the state. This is not the government, but these are, you know, pro-state pages. Um, And they have this weird obsession with women's bodies. You should check out this page. It's called Cartoons by Nazgul Baloch. And that is such a disgusting, nationalist, you know, misogynistic page where like women, you know, you're just, you're using cartoons to portray national issues and you're using cartoons to make fun of leftists and liberals and socialists. So there's a really strong counter narrative. And for us, sometimes it's hard to differentiate between when it's the state and when it's, you know, right wing groups, because they're sometimes the same. And if you sometimes post, um, for example, on religious minority groups, if you post that, uh, oh, you know, they're being treated badly. One of my friends, she's a journalist, she posted this on Twitter and she started getting violent threats, you know, on, oh, we'll rape you, we'll kill you, we'll dump you in a canal, you know, and you'll, nobody will ever find your body. Be- why? Because she just made a tweet about how, you know, about 
discrimination, religious discrimination in Pakistan. So there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear about how to use social media carefully, smartly, not implicate yourself in something that, you know, will, will be bad for you. And these days it's really hard to decide what that's going to be. People can charge, accuse you of blasphemy for no reason. I have had to delete random people from my Facebook list just because I made a post and they would say, oh, this is really problematic and you might get in trouble. And when you ask them, why is this problematic? And they say, oh, well, this is offensive. It's, it's, it's against my religion or it's, against, it's insulting my country or it's insulting my armed forces. And I could kill you. I could really kill you. So it's the proportionality of your offense and the crime that they, you know, that the, the punishment that they want to meet out to you. It's really, it's, there's no, you know, there's no scale that evens it out. I think you're describing a very, um, something that's happening worldwide in terms of resistance and the use of social media and surveillance. But, um, but in Pakistan, it's obviously more pronounced and more intense. So it, it does raise the question, what, um, h- how do we fight back? How do we keep ourselves safe? How do we challenge a conservative society when you've got the far right wing forces that you're talking about? You've got the government um, and then little left us. <laughs> What's the strategy? The history of Pakistan's left, it's been, it's been decimated over the course of two decades, you know, you can you can trace this out to the collapse of the Soviet Union, you know, where we thought that we were getting our intellectual direction from or, or, or you know, when China sort of stopped being communist and became capitalist instead, like there is this intellectual bankruptcy in among the in the socialist left of Pakistan. I, I don't like saying this, but this is a problem. And, and I, I, I'm a part of the socialists. So we're really, really trying to organize. We're trying to get stronger as an organization. We're trying to make, you know, and there's this fear, this, this you know, after the collapse of the Soviet Empire, Soviet Union, um, this, this period, there was this period, like a 10-year period when NGOs, um, and this under the neoliberal agenda, they sort of came together and they served to depoliticize the masses a lot. So, and there's a lot of, they don't trust us as well because this, the, the experience of, you know, these leftist groups which broke away as a result of disillusionment after the collapse of the Soviet Union, you know, they don't trust leftists. They don't trust formations of leftist groups. So we have to sort of, and when we go out in protest, um, we look like freaks because we're protesting on something which is so far, which, which people cannot even conceive, you know, where they're saying, what is this? This is something, this is just not even part of our society. So we, right now, I think that we have to make ourselves more relatable to the public. We need to do some, you know, we need to organize more. And it's going to be a long fight. I don't think that leftists, it's going to take at least a struggle of another 10, 15 years to, to, to make our presence known. Right now, our presence is not even known, which is, you know, which is really scary, but... Uh, we're, we're fighting it you know what can we do we can't just abandon it because the other alternatives are just dangerous and they're scary and and we don't want them we've seen what they've done we've they've tried and tested and and they haven't really worked out so I, I i do think that if we organize better and if we just get stronger and we develop our ideas which have not been developed in so long we have a future but if we don't we're stuck That was Ama Kossa from the Awami Workers' Party in Lahore, discussing with me the broader campaign to end the practice of honour killings in light of the murder of Kandil Baloch. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. 
The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Thanks for tuning into the show. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.